What's up, BT? Welcome to the BT Podcast. This is something uh, that we are now introducing to our church through our online ministry. Uh, my entire hope for this is that this is another way for you to connect digitally and grow spiritually. Uh, today, we are having a conversation on spiritual health, and so I hope you love uh, the content that's about to be put out right now. Uh, it's going to be a special guest speaker named Grant Skeldon, uh, who is uh, just doing amazing work in Nashville, Tennessee. So tune in and enjoy. All right. Uh, today, uh, we have an amazing uh, guest for us in our podcast episode, uh, Grant Skeldon, uh, who's currently in Nashville, Tennessee. Super excited uh, just to, to share uh, some wisdom with each other and to be able to have this conversation about uh, this topic of uh, spiritual health in relation to comparison. Uh, and man, I'm excited to be able to hear from you, bro. Uh, so Grant, man, why don't you just tell us who you are, kind of tell us uh, where God's allowed you to be a part of different ministries uh, and just kind of your experience in that whole level, man. Yeah, uh, so I am, it's funny, my bio has changed quite a bit in the last like three days to like two months. Um, in the last month, I, last two months, I've gotten engaged, I've gotten married. Nice. Um, I've accepted a new job after seven years of leading my own organization. Mm. And two, three days ago, I moved to Nashville as yeah. well. So, Nashville, uh, Tennessee. Yeah, so I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Um, I've always had a heart for Dallas. I've had a heart for discipleship. I've had a heart for, uh, I would say, disrupting division among Christian believers, especially among the next generation. And so my heart has always been, how do we unify the, the church and unify Christians expressing church in different parts of culture? Mm. Um, but I recently uh, kind of stepped down from Initiative Network, my organization, to really join uh, forces with Gabe Lyons at Q in Nashville. Nice. And so now we are doing a lot of that is how do we, uh, how do we not just copy culture? How do we not just critique culture, but how do we actually create culture as Christians yeah. in the marketplace, in the arts world, in movies, TV, music, uh, nonprofit, the church, all that. And yeah. So it's a very robust view of uh, impacting the culture for Christ. Yeah, dude, that's sick. And I know that uh, I kind of read in your bio that you started Initiative Network at 23 years old. Uh, dude, yeah, tell yeah. us, like, what was, like, going on in your mind as you went and started an organization, you know, at such a young age? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy because, yeah, I didn't feel that young. But now that I'm like, man, I can't believe I started that at 23. <laughs> but also, when I think about it, I'm like, but I didn't know I was starting an organization. Yeah. Um, it almost is helpful. I think a lot of young people want to start an organization and it's just because they want to start an organization. Uh, I, I really did feel like God was calling me to, at the time, it was really more of a campaign than it was an organization, but it was this campaign, a conference uh, that was around bringing Christian leaders together, especially business leaders, nonprofit leaders and church leaders in Dallas um, had challenged me to bring young leaders at the time, millennial leaders to join the conference for free. Nice. And I had about three weeks, four weeks to get as many young people as possible to come to the conference, Christian leaders that were younger. And I mean, it was definitely a God story where God showed up and a lot of me, my friends, we just started sharing the word. And I don't know if it was the right time, the right place, the right people, but uh, dude, like 400 young people showed up. Oh gosh. And then the next week, 600 young people after the conference showed up for a gathering I put together. And that's when I realized like there's a hunger in Dallas for more than just going to church where we like we want to like impact the city yeah. and we want to uh bring christ into the workplace and to the everyday nine to five of what we do that's good and we also need community i think uh 
They say leadership is lonely. Uh, I think leadership for young Christian leaders is even more lonely because if you're young and you're a Christian and you're a leader, there's just not a lot of young Christians, let alone young Christian leaders. Uh, and so I, I think it's really important that young Christians find community. And that's what I think we, we caught at an early age was um, building a community for young Christian leaders in Dallas. Man, that is uh, awesome and definitely a remarkable story. I know that uh, just the way that you built up leaders uh, is really going to have a huge impact that probably you've already seen, but probably you have no idea uh, what is going to happen out of all that. And we're, uh, you know, yeah. seeing all those stories and hearing about all that, praying that God does big things with that. Uh, and I know that for sure, like you uh, definitely have a passion for uh, millennials, uh, p- passion for, you know, the next gen, uh, especially with your book, uh, you know, the passion generation. Uh, and so kind of talk about, um, uh, I, I did listen to like a, a video that you posted on social media one time, and you said this phrase that millennials uh, are the most caused-oriented people group. Uh, kind of maybe like dive into that uh, a little bit. Yeah, I, I think the line is I say the why is the most caused-oriented uh, generation in the world yeah. right now? How are they not connecting to the most caused-oriented organization yeah. in the world right now, being the church? Yeah, and I, I do believe it's because many of the why the most cause-oriented generation in the world right now doesn't connect to the most cause-oriented organization in the world right now is because the most cause-oriented organization in the world right now, us as Christians, aren't really serious about the cause that Christ has given us. Mm -hmm. Whether it's, I I think, a big cause that we neglect that Jesus said to do, did do, and then even where his last words was, go and make disciples. Um, Statistically, Barnes found that only 17% of Christians have committed to someone younger in the faith to mentor or disciple and pour into. And so uh, Jesus' ministry really started with discipleship. We didn't even know what he really was doing until he started (laughs) making disciples, found disciples. Um, If you really think about it, Jesus could have done all the things he did in his ministry, uh, walk on water, heal people, turn water into wine, even bring people from back from the grave. And so far I'd say Jesus could have even died for our sins on the cross and uh, in exchange for his righteousness and, our sinfulness, like given us the gospel. But if you take out the 12 disciples from his ministry and his story, you just have him doing all those things alone mm-hmm. by himself. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we would be here today. Uh, not like we are today because of the disciples. And so um, I think we as Christians, even that we as pastors, sometimes uh, we make ministry so much about the event and not the people in mm-hmm. the disciple making process. And so um, I think we lose the next generation uh, every generation, a little bit more, we lose them because we keep neglecting discipleship more and more. And then we just wow. get mad at them for being so <laughs> yeah. unwise. We get mad at them for being so different than us. And I'm like, how are they going to know how to do what for you not doing the right do thing when you don't spend time with them? Yeah. That's so good, man. Uh, yeah, I love that, bro. And I love that about your heart and passion uh, and seeing you kind of going after that with even your career and your calling uh, to help change the next generation, to help them see them uh, through discipleship. And so, uh, but man, topic we want to go after, you know, uh, thinking about the new year, uh, we always have like set resolutions. We go after new year, new me, goals, all that stuff. We uh, maybe get a membership to the gym and we try to do yeah. all these new diet plans and everything about us changes because of Fresh Start. Uh, and so one thing I want to focus on is uh, how to really develop uh, a spiritual health, so to speak, uh, just uh, maybe realigning our relationship with God, 
yeah. you know, 2020 has been an insane year. We had obviously the pandemic uh, that hit so many families, uh, maybe lost family members, lost loved ones, but maybe even lost a job and all those sort of things. Uh, and then we had, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement that just kind of affected a lot of people on social media, kind of arguments back and forth. And then you have yeah. uh, the election that just, you know, split the entire country in half. And so uh, all these things that took place in 2020 uh, and, and maybe people are just trying to dissect all this stuff, but how do we uh, just kind of maybe realign ourselves with God? You know, we, we have this fresh new start with the new year uh, going after spiritual health. And so uh, I'd love to just hear from you. Like, what are some things that you do personally uh, to kind of help you grow spiritually? And maybe uh, how has God uh, helped you grow during the pandemic season? Uh, I mean, I think the very cliche, but uh, some of the cliche things are unavoidable. And they are cliche because they are just like, timeless truth is yeah. uh, God is really, there's a quote by J.R. Packer. I remember him saying in knowing God that uh, sometimes his grace is um, forcing us to detach our hands and mm -hmm. our grip on the things that we hold dear um, mm -hmm. so that we can better uh, attach our hands back to God, um, which can actually endure uh, because yeah, there's a lot of things that we've maybe made an idol and now 2020 is showing us how much, uh, certain things that aren't God or aren't promised have uh, become an idol or a crutch at the very minimum. Um, so for me, uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty big of like, you start, you just want to, if God's shaking things up or if he's allowing things to be shaken up, then you really want to listen to what Henry Blackaby says. Uh, you got to go where God's already moving. Um, I, I see a lot of leaders right now and a lot of people right now, and even a lot of Christians are trying to like be innovative or think through and strategize through what should we do in response to this. Mm. Um, and I, I think better than that, uh, you can spend days strategizing on a whiteboard or stressing out just for you and your family. Um, or you could just start asking a simple question. It was like, where is God already moving? Yeah. And where am I seeing some good, especially as a leader? And then just join him in that. Yeah. Um, for me, I never want to bust down a door because I think it could be a good idea or I think this could save me. And then it's not me that's opening that door. I mean, it's not God opening that door. It's me and my own strength. Nice. And so uh, for me, I mean, going where God was already moving was literally moving. And it literally was so many things. I mean, I'm sure, Danny, you know so many people like this. It was so, someone this yesterday was like, man, it's crazy how many people that I know that were once living in this a certain city right. or doing a certain thing and have been doing it for five plus years, maybe even 10 plus years, who this year announced I'm actually stepping down and doing something different yeah. or actually we're moving or actually we're just doing some big act of faith. Um, but I guess the silver lining for me is, yeah, I'm, I'm getting married. I'm, yeah. I, I mean, I am married. <laughs> I'm married. I have uh, moved to a new city. I've taken a new job. I've, I, I've had to humble myself to say, God, are you sure you want me to end something that you started something that even just six months ago, nine months ago, had so much momentum and still could, but, or would it be better and bigger and more uh, kingdom-minded if I joined forces with someone else? And so, um, yeah, that's, I guess, what I'm learning is just continue to see where God's moving. And then once he says, this is, once you can identify and you feel confirmation and peace, that's where he's moving. I mean, I think go all in. I yeah. Mean, and three months ago, I was single. I lived in Dallas and I was leading my own ministry and a whole different staff. And now I'm, I'm here. And I, I see God's fingerprints in it. And nice. if it is God... Any obstacle that comes in the way, he'll he'll open the next door for it. But yeah. if it's you, oh, it's exhausting and frustrating because <laughs> you gotta beg him to. Okay, now we open this door. We open this door. We open this. It's like yeah. Some point, sometimes he will. Sometimes he'll save us from our 
busting down doors, but uh, I'd rather be in a place where I'm like, God, I didn't even want to go through this door, but you opened it, so I need right. to provide for what's on the other side. Man, then that allows us to experience him uh, in ways that we would have never imagined, because then we just walk alongside, step with him, and then experience and encounter his faithfulness. Uh, yeah. Super good, man. I love that. Uh, are you a Tennessee Titans fan now, by chance, or what's going on there? I have a good friend who plays for them, and hey. I'm his. I'm a fan of Cody Hollister. That's who I'm a fan of. Nice. Other than that, I mean, I don't really care about sports. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But hey, if he gives you tickets, man, head over to a game one time. I'm going. Yeah, I'm going. <laughs> he got me tickets. Like in two weeks, I'm going to go to my first. Really, that'll be my first NFL game. I'm never nice. been to one. That's so good. And I lived in Dallas, which is like a, uh, a shame. Yeah. <laughs> you never went to Jerry World, bro? <laughs> no. I had been there. You know, you know, I've been to so many events there, and they're all Christian events. I've never <laughs> been to a football game. That's so good. I love it, man. Uh, just on a personal level, bro, uh, I'm, and I'm not sure like if you or what you'd like to do uh, whenever it comes to centering your attention on God. Uh, but I'd love yeah. to, for you to share, like, what are some things that maybe motivate you uh, to get into the Word, motivate you into prayer, uh, some spiritual discipline practices that you love doing on a personal level? Yeah, I mean, anyone listening, I, I couldn't, the most the most uh, recommended book I've ever given, uh, the book I've ever recommended, the book I've ever bought and given several of, the book mm-hmm. that I have, like, probably six right now in the back of my trunk, I just give this book all the time. I there's no, it's not red letter. It's not Jesus's right. words. It's not, uh, it's not magic. I, I always have to preface this book will change your life, and I, it almost sounds like I'm building it up to say the Bible. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> You're about to say something. I'm else. not about to say the Bible, but this book will change your life, and it is uh, "Draw the Circle" mm-hmm. um, by Mark Batterson. Yeah. I, I was very fortunate at a young age. Maybe it's honestly because. Even before I started um, Initiative Network at 23, I helped start a ministry when I was 19. And nice. Maybe because I just like listened to God and started big things that were way bigger than I could probably handle. I forced me to pray because I knew I didn't have the talent, the wisdom, the degree, uh, the background, the experience to do what I was God was calling me to do. But it was like this fearful excitement that He had me in, and I I, I needed to read a lot and I needed to get mentored a lot, and especially I need to pray a lot. Yeah. And so Draw the Circle is basically a 40-day devotional, but it's a specifically a prayer devotional. Nice. So you're going to really read a little bit of the scripture, then he's going to tell you an incredible, insane story of God showing up through prayer. Yeah. And it's just 40 days of 40 different stories. Um, and I just, why I say it's going to change your life is, one, experientially, I've never had someone truly devote themselves to going through that book. Maybe not every single day for 40 days, but most of the days where they haven't had God show up in really unique ways. Yeah. And then two, it's just a promise that God gave us. Uh, he said, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And so, um, man, if you pray, he's going to show up, especially if you devote 40 days to that and just get encouraged by stories he's already done. Um, and then you see it in his word, and then you just continue to pray. And so he kind of says, start your start the devotional with two to three things. Maybe it's a big decision you got to make in the next couple of weeks or mm-hmm. a month. Uh, maybe it's uh, just a really difficult struggle that you're trying to, you almost need a miracle for. Um, he says, like, circle that almost every day. But you, you kind of go into it knowing this is what I'm really giving to God 40 days in a row. Yeah. Um, and it's cool to see how God shows up in personal and unique ways. Man, I love that. That's so good. Uh, so kind of this idea of uh, centering your attention on prayer. Um, man, that's, I know for me, like, during quarantine, um, you know, I was, didn't know how long this was going to take. You know, we're cooped up into this 400 square foot apartment in New York City. Uh, I just started reading the Psalms and it was so yeah. fruitful. Uh, and I just 
felt like I almost like I fell in love with God again type of thing. And it was just so nice uh, to, yeah. to try to draw out um, social media, try to draw out the noise uh, and just, you know, center into God's word. Um, yeah. And, and, and kind of looking at culture, you know, especially you having a passion for uh, millennials, for Gen Z years, for uh, the next generation who are uh, maybe looking up to different people. You know, they're on this personal spiritual journey with God, but they also have uh, people that are maybe discipling them, influencers that they're looking up to, people they follow on social media. Uh, now, what, what do you see as far as uh, maybe a danger uh, when it comes to like this idea of temptation of comparison of our spiritual yeah. health? Uh, kind of speak into that topic a little bit. Yeah, and we we talked a little bit about this. I know that you said the church did a series, I believe it was called Sins We Accept. Yeah. And comparison totally, that's totally one of those sins we accept. Yeah, it's man. like, um, I, I'm not trying to guilt people with comparison, but I also don't want us to act like comparison is just a bad habit. Because yeah. that's where I kind of think we put comparison is, uh, we put comparison and struggling with comparison in the, the same category as biting our nails or eating too much food or yeah. drinking too much like soda. Um, it's kind of like we need to work out. It's in that we're not, it's, it's a bad habit, but it's not going to kill me, mm-hmm. but I wish I did better, but I don't feel that bad that I don't try too hard. Yeah. It's in that weird category where we're just trying to manage it. We're not trying to kill it. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, I quick story is, you know, I, um, I used to live with two guys in West Dallas, which is a pretty uh, difficult part of town and impoverished part of town and just dangerous part of town sometimes. And I remember uh, I was living at, I was going to church at a very multicultural um, urban church. Mm. And that was why we lived in that part of the city. And I remember um, one day me and my two roommates, uh, I had two other roommates and they were asleep. It was like one thirty at night, two at night. I'm watching like Netflix or something. And I was on the couch that was the couch next to, we were the first floor in our apartment. And you know how the apartment usually has like a balcony, but it's barely anything. Like <laughs> yeah. barely fit there. But yeah. we, even though we're first floor, we had a little patio, I guess, with a gate. And I could hear right outside the gate, the, the parking lot was right there. I could hear something coming up. It was like a bicycle or something. It was so late. So it was riding by and then it stopped in front of like our house. And I looked, I was like, what is that? And I remember seeing, um, a man uh, like in a hoodie and I uh, just couldn't see what he looked like, but I just knew, okay, who is this guy? He doesn't look, I've never seen him before. And I remember him going up to a car and I was like, Oh, he was, I don't know. So he rode his bike to go up to get his car, I guess. Um, but he was checking the, he was trying to open the car door and the car door didn't open. And so he was then going <laughs> to the next car and <laughs> trying to get in that car and the car didn't, didn't open. I'm like, what is this guy doing? By the third car, I'm like, I don't think he owns any You're of like, these cars. <laughs> he owns all these like, cars, I guess, yeah. I think he's trying to get and see which car is open. And the third car was actually my friend's car, like oh. my, my best friend. He's the, He was the best man in my wedding just a couple of weeks ago. And I don't know what was in me, but when I know the other cars, I was concerned. But when he got to my friend's car, I'm like, mm. something came over me. Is like I opened the, the little like sliding door. I was in my boxers and I jumped out there. And I don't make any sound, but I see his bike. I don't know. I, it's like it, saying it out loud is weird, but it <laughs> happened so fast. And I didn't like go out there with the plan. It just kind of happened. Right. But I, I grabbed his bike for whatever reason. He still didn't know <laughs> I was there yet. And I just like threw it as hard as I could. Because I was like, I'm going to like do shock and awe to scare <laughs> this guy off. And so it goes crashing on the ground 2 a.m. in the morning. And he like freaks out and looks over there. I'm like, what the? And I'm like, what the heck are you doing? And he just runs away. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I like got in this like protective mode. I'm shouting to my friends, wake up, wake up. This guy's trying to 
like rob us. Um, and I think about that and I tell that story because I think we all might have a unique story where someone tried to rob us. Hopefully not like we saw them in right. the act trying to rob us. But I say that in a story about robbing is because like there's a very, very common cliche quote that uh, comparison is the thief of all joy. Mm. Um, and, but I say that to say, I don't think we actually treat comparison like it's a thief. Right. Uh, yeah. That's we treat comparison like he, it's a bad habit. Like, again, mm. oh, you know, I, I want to eat better. Or I want to work out. or I want to stop biting my nails. As long as we treat it like that, it will always be this acceptable thing that will kill us. And it is wow. an acceptable sin. Yeah. Um, that it's a thief of so much more than just joy. It's yeah. a thief of our peace. It's therefore a piece of our confidence. It's a piece of our identity in a lot of ways. It's a piece of our intimacy with God. Um, and I want and wish that more Christians would treat comparison kind of like a thief, like yeah. a robber. Like if someone was truly breaking into our house, especially if they were trying to get into our house, like if you heard someone in the bushes outside your window trying to get into your home, the first thing we would do is we'd probably lock the doors. The second thing we do is probably shout to everyone around and ask and say, yo, wake up. Like someone's right. trying to rob us right now. Yeah. Uh, we might call the cops. If you live in Texas like us, we'd probably get our guns right, yeah. <laughs> ready. Um, we would like go into a whole different like like militant mode to protect ourselves. And that's the kind mm. of mode I think we should get when it comes to comparison is, I mean, from we want to lock the doors, you can't come in to uh, and protect ourselves to we need to shout out for our friends and say, hey, I mean, how many how many of our friends even know who we compare ourselves to? Because wow. I think every single person has someone or some people, whether it's celebrities, whether it's friends. I found myself even close friends that I like, uh, sometimes comparing myself to. And I think one of the best things you can do is like tell some people, like let them know, like, hey. And as soon as you start saying it, it kind of like loses its power. But if, right, yeah. I, I think there's people that we don't like, even especially, we'll obsess ourselves and watch and check their their social media or check into their life or anytime yeah. they're brought up in conversation, we want to kind of talk about them or gossip about them. And uh, yeah, I just, I, my hope is that we can, again, build a more militant posture towards comparison um, and yeah, be on the defense and less of just accepting them and saying, hey, we don't even lock our doors. We basically, with comparison, by just managing it, we say, Hey, you, we're like Airbnb. Hey, you can kind of stay here if you want and forever. Yeah, I got you, bro. That's good, man. I love it. Uh, you go Derek Henry on him, bro. You just push him out of the way, man. That's what you, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I do have a kind of unique question that kind of came to mind. You, know, you talked about protecting yourself, uh, maybe from people trying to want to compare their spiritual journey with you. Because for me, like, I'm all about growth. You know, I think we all have room for growth. Whether we've been a believer of Jesus for 30 days or 30 years, we all have this room for growth. But also, there is this understanding of discipleship and being influenced, you know, by, by yeah. people and the growth. And so uh, how do you kind of navigate the window of uh, I'm protecting my personal spiritual walk, but also I want to disciple you and help you grow? Uh, and so kind of that relationship uh, aspect of, Maybe it's being careful with how many people we let in. It's, you know, kind of the three versus the 12, kind of like Jesus did. Uh, like, what do you think is a kind of safe model in, in helping people see that you have your own individual walk, uh, but I'd love to show you uh, what it looks like, too. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the two biggest reasons I've ever heard people not disciple someone younger in the faith is, one, they feel like they don't have enough time. Yeah. Or two, the, what we're kind of addressing right now is, two, they'll think, I just don't feel qualified or equipped mm. to disciple someone. Uh, the question and the fear uh, enters their mind of like, 
what is someone going to look up to me for in my life? Like, or my life isn't that glorious or worth following or, or think, man, if they come to my life, they might think of me as a good person or a good leader, a good mother, father, uh, whatever it may be. Um, but once they come into my life and see outside of just that, they're going to see the good, the bad, and especially the ugly. Yeah. Um, and so we get nervous about letting people enter into our life. And um, I have found, you know, when I grew up in, uh, when I grew up going to church, and I feel like a lot of millennials grew up going to church, especially, uh, we went with our parents to church, usually because our parents forced us to go. And yeah, I found the story to relate to a lot of millennials where, like, when I went to church, my mom was like, Sunday morning could be crazy trying to get all the kids to go to church, especially since none of us wanted to go to church, including my dad. Mm -hmm. And it was all boys. And I always joke that I was like, mom, you always are different when we go to church. It's like the second <laughs> we go into church, you become this like, I joke, new creation. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're like the, the heart of stone is gone and the yeah. flesh is calm. Like your tone changes. You're more smiling. Sunday you, clothes, you man. talk higher. Like your pitch is higher. Everything you're like, even when, I said, even when Christians call us on the phone, you're like, be mad or disciplining us. But the second a Christian calls on the phone, you're like, hey, how are you? Like, yeah. oh, yeah, things are great. Yeah. And I'm like, no, they're not. We we're just fighting. Yeah. And and uh, I joke about it, but we all kind of do that as Christians. When we're, we'll have a bad day or negative or whatever. And as soon as we enter into a new scene, with, especially with believers, we put on this mask like, we've got to act like things are better than they are and we're yeah. better than they are. That's good. And I think that that idea was really bled into the next generation. This idea that uh, when you're, if you be a Christian, if you become a Christian and when you spend time with Christians, you basically have to put on a mask and you have to be fake basically. Mm. And with this generation being um, so valuing authenticity, I think uh, it's a real turnoff more than that. Um, I would encourage anyone that's maybe nervous about discipling someone and them seeing their flaws is I remember John Maxwell saying, uh, they said, people, if you want to impress people, then share your successes. Mm. But if you want to impact people, then share your failures. Wow. Uh, failures and seeing someone rise from that is so much more powerful and memorable than just seeing how great you are. As well as lastly, I think it uh, really devalues uh, the gospel when we or like, okay, I'm saved. I've come to Christ. I used to be bad. Now I'm saved. And now I got to be really, really good as far as you mm, know. Yeah. Um, that makes it seem like we got to really work really hard for our righteousness rather than uh, what Paul said was, follow me as I follow Christ. Right. And I always encourage uh, anyone discipling someone like you're talking about is um, your goal is not to make them more like you. Mm. Your goal is to make them more like Christ. Right. And you got to be very uh, upfront of, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm still trying to be made like Christ as much as you were trying to be made like Christ. I'm just a couple steps ahead of you. And so I personally feel like that makes the gospel more beautiful to know, okay, I don't need to be perfect for Christ to continue to love me. He loves me and therefore he is perfecting me. That's good, man. I love it. Uh, and I would love to just kind of close off with this. So that was kind of the perspective of the person doing the discipling. Um, what's your kind of word of advice or wisdom uh, for someone that's just like, I need to be discipled. Maybe they're not afraid to admit it, but they're like, I struggle with that temptation of comparison. You know, I, I follow so many people on social media that, you know, I look at their lifestyle, look at their relationships, I look at their ministry, and I want that. Um, what would be like your word of advice to just kind of practically go after a more healthy spiritual lifestyle? Yeah, that's a good question, Danny. I, I think that um, we've talked a lot about comparison when it comes to other people, but I do think maybe the strongest form of comparison 
And the thing that is sadly killing us the most is uh, us comparing ourselves actually to ourselves. Mm. And what I mean by that is our version of ourselves that we thought we should have been by now. Yeah. Um, like I think that almost everyone wakes up and, uh, or even let's say goes to sleep. If you ask everyone, I'd be curious. I'd love to have, if they could do the research to say, ask everyone a little bit before they go to bed, they're getting in their bed, they're thinking about their day or whatever it is. And just ask them, do you feel happy with where you are in life right now? Mm. And I think most people or are you where you thought you would be yeah. by this time yeah. in your life? And I think most people would say no. They're not where they thought they'd be. They thought they'd be farther. They thought they'd be uh, more advanced. They thought they'd, well, maybe it's, they thought they'd be married by now. They yeah. thought they'd have kids. They thought they'd be in a better in a financial position. They thought they'd have a better job by now. They thought they'd be mm. closer to doing what they actually dreamed of when they were younger. Um, a lot of people would say no. I think the grand majority of people across the world would say, I'm not where I thought I'd be by now. So we're just comparing ourselves to where we thought we would be. Wow. And I think that's a bad question to measure our days by. Yeah. Um, but Jesus said, count our days um, and measure our days. And I think there's this theme of daily obedience. Even, mm. I mean, if you think about the prayer, our regular prayer that Jesus gave us is give us this day. Yeah. Just simply this day. Um, and session 2020, we were putting a lot of hope in this year. Like we actually <laughs> yeah. put a lot of hope going into this year. The 2020 vision that every pastor in the world there. had, man. <laughs> And and we know we're, we're just such a like long term future focused uh, person yeah. or people I guess that it's like we're putting a lot of hope in the next year now we're just doing it again right and I, I saw this I'm not going to take credit for this I saw a friend say this recently he was like we're kind of treating 2021 like a rebound yeah. relationship <laughs> where we're like okay this one didn't work out so we're kind of running to the next one like it's just going to be good and. And he said, we all know how rebound relationships work out. (laughs) And so like my my encouragement would be stop measuring your days and especially your life by where you think you should be because that's not a good measurement for life. Um, I think we should simply ask ourselves every day, are we faithful? Were we faithful with what God put in our hands today? Like the work he put in front of us and the people he put in front of us. Those two things like, what did he give me today to do? And did I do it faithfully? And who did he put in front of me? And did I love them well? Because I think we might still say no every now and then. Like some days like, no, nah, I didn't. I wasn't mean to that person. Yeah. Or I didn't do a good job today. But we will have way more yeses to that question. And those days add up. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much talk in the Bible about daily obedience. Or yeah. Moses tries to save up for a whole year no he's just like enough for one day right um jesus says don't even worry about tomorrow that's right um there's just a continual idea of just like give us this day um and so that's what i i would say encourage you don't measure success by where you think you should be measure success by how faithful you are with the day and watch that faithfulness on each day and your contentment and confidence on where god has you not where god has someone else start to add up to where after a long while, you start seeing yourself, and I think the devil loses his grip that you feel closer to where you should be because you start trusting, I'm where God has me. Yeah. And I think also God will trust you with more because you feel a contentment and not this like, I'm missing out, which is at the core of what got us here in the first place in the garden, what got Cain to do what right. he did. I mean, oh, the Bible is full of comparison. Yeah. And it's this idea that I'm, I don't have what I deserve and somebody else does. And it should be more, am I doing what I should be doing faithfully with the things God's given me 
sorry, and the people he's put in front of me. That's good, man. I love it. Yeah, that that faithfulness is going to be the foundation uh, for that relationship. And so, uh, man, I dig it. Uh, hey, man, so as we uh, close off for today, bro, I really appreciate uh, all your time. appreciate your wisdom. Love the fact that we got to have this conversation uh, and also praying, uh, you know, for now your new journey uh, as you head out uh, and as you start building a, a whole new culture and career and lifestyle there in Nashville. And so Thank praying you, for man. you and Cheyenne as, as you all do that. Uh, last question for you really quick. Uh, what was your quarantine binge on Netflix uh, throughout this entire pandemic <laughs> season? What was that, bro? My quarantine binge? Um, this is good. Uh, the, the show, I would highly encourage, I don't think, I don't know if anyone I know knows about this show and I had never heard about this show and I, I love shows and movies and the behind the scenes of making a movie. Yeah. There's a show called Pull Dark. And it's already over. It's six seasons. It sounds like it's two words, like pole dark, but it's one word, and it's the person's name. Nice. P O L D A R K, um, and it's like a Victorian age show, um, and it's very wholesome. There's no cussing. There's like no nudity. There's just like in a in a in a. There's not. It's not crazy dark. Yeah. Where like the guy is a good guy, and then becomes like the most wicked evil person. It's a pretty good show about like love and family and nice. uh, i mean that and this is us and the mandalorian those are oh, like nice. my three shows as soon as they come out i'm gonna watch it you're, in. Um, you're all in yeah. love it bro hey man uh well grant appreciate you bro uh hopefully we can connect sometime soon in the future uh and uh, just appreciate your time bro so have a good one bro you, be blessed and man take care appreciate it bro see you man see you